Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Thursday, September the 9th. And we're starting off with news that part of the M20 in Kent was shut today as a huge manhunt for an escaped prisoner continued. Daniel Khalif had managed to escape from Wandsworth Jail in South London yesterday. He was wearing a chef's uniform and was apparently strapped to a food delivery van. The 21-year-old is due to go on trial, accused of terror offences, which he denies. My name is Dominic Murray. Murphy, I am the commander of SO15 Counterterrorism Command here at the Metropolitan Police. I am urgently appealing to the public to help us find Daniel Khalif, who could be at large anywhere in the UK. He has connections to London and the North West, but we're focused on anywhere in the UK. Uh, my appeal to the public is that whilst he presents a low risk, uh, please don't approach Daniel Khalif. Call 999 and the police will respond uh, wherever you're calling from in the country. Uh, our effort is to try and bring him back to custody so he can stand trial. Well, the motorway was shut coastbound between Junction 8, which is for Leeds Castle, and Junction 9 for Ashford to allow for extra security checks. Well, earlier today, temporary Chief Superintendent Simon Allen said the closure of the M20 is an emergency measure that is only used following consultation with our partners, the Kent Resilience Forum, and after a thorough assessment of issues including public safety and traffic volumes. He goes on to say the Kent Resilience Forum will continue to monitor the situation closely in order to restore the motorway to its full capacity as soon as possible. Well, ports and airports were also put on high alert and Kent's Police and Crime Commissioner Matthew Scott has called for an inquiry into what's happened. There will need to be an inquiry subsequent to this to see how this happened, what lessons can be learned and so that people can be held accountable for it. Why do you think this has happened? Where's the who, Who's to blame, I suppose? Uh, that's what you need the inquiry for. Um, at this stage, we know the circumstances. We know that he has uh, escaped from the uh, prison estate. There needs to be an inquiry subsequent to this to uh, understand the reasons and how he was able to do it. Kent Online News. Next today, in the roof of a Kent theatre could need to be replaced after it was found to contain a potentially dangerous form of concrete. We've already been told the orchard in Dalford will be closed until the end of the month while investigations take place. Well, Jeremy Kite is the leader of Dartford Council and he's been speaking to Gabriel from our colleagues at KMTV. We've known there's rack inside the theatre for some time, but we've been monitoring and testing it, which is exactly what the advice we should be doing and all buildings should be doing. Um, but until Monday of this week, uh, we had been receiving reports that everything was fine and that there was absolutely no problem with the roofing in terms of the, the building safety or continuing continuing use. Uh, Monday changed all that and the report then came forward that said basically they just spotted some deterioration and their advice was very strongly that we should close the building and of course um, it's a big blow to us to close the building but compared to people's lives and safety, the people who work here, the staff, the actors, the audiences, the visitors, the whole Orchard family, uh, it doesn't, it pales into insignificance so we had to do the right thing and that's what we've done. Trafalgar who run it for us are a very big theatre company and the theatre industry is a very specialised world and in our initial conversations with them yesterday it was very clear that they were looking at actually keeping staff working here depending on how long the break was going to be and if it turns out to be a slightly longer break um, I'm pretty confident they're the sort of company that's got positions all around the place. Uh, they value their 
their staff very much. I know that. Uh, they're a very good family of people here. Uh, and Trafalgar are a good company. I'm sure they'll look after them. It, it could stretch longer and it could stretch further than October. I mean, the, the, the gap we have at the moment is actually to allow the consultants to do further investigations and be more invasive and get into the building and into the roof a little more. Um, it's not the end of it. What they've got to do is actually then come up with a formulated solution to us. And that solution could be partial repairs or it could be removing the whole roof. And clearly, if we have to remove the whole roof, and I, I frankly, I think that could be a very big possibility, then it becomes much longer than a month or two. Dartford's in a very good position. It is our theatre and we can resource it and we've got the determination to repair it. So there's nothing to stop us getting on with it. There's no question that we would have uh, kept the building going if we'd received any indication it was dangerous. Rack has been a, uh, a commonly used building material since the early 1980s. In fact, before that, this building was built in the early 1980s. Um, and we've done exactly the responsible thing by measuring it really, really carefully. Um, and it was only when we received those first indications that things may not be uh, right and there was a deterioration and we acted within 15 minutes, the building was closed. So we've done everything right. But I think this is going to become a growing problem and I think more and more buildings will be looking at it. Bear in mind it was a technique that was used not just in schools or, or theatres but also shopping centres, in railway stations, other public buildings. So I think there'll be a lot of investigations going on. And you can watch KMTV's report by clicking on their pages of the website. Kent Online reports. Some crime news now and a 27-year-old's been charged with murder after the body of a man was found in Rochester. Police discovered the 71-year-old after being called to Mercury Close on Tuesday. Simon Brown from King George Road in Chatham is due in court. Elsewhere, a man's been charged after a 28-year-old woman died in a suspected hit-and-run near Ashford. A child was also taken to hospital after it happened in Charing Heath on Saturday night. A 25-year-old from Maidstone has appeared in court accused of causing death by dangerous driving and failing to stop after a collision. A driver's facing jail after a Raynham woman died when she was hit by a bus outside Victoria Station in London. Melissa Burr was knocked down when he accidentally accelerated into the back of a stationary vehicle in August 2021. Now, the 60-year-old admitted causing death by careless driving and has been cleared by a jury of a more serious charge. He'll be sentenced in November. Now, we've got an update next on Eurostar and whether they're ever going to stop at stations in Kent again. Trains haven't called at Ashford or Ebbsfleet International since the first COVID lockdown back in March 2020. And that's led to frustration among passengers who now have to travel into London to get on a service to the continent. Well, our reporter Leanne Castle has been to a meeting of what's known as the Joint Transportation Board at Ashford Borough Council, where the General Secretary of Eurostar provided some more information. Well, Leanne, thanks ever so much for being on the podcast with me. So what did Gareth Williams have to say? He said, although there's a huge demand for services in Kent, bosses aren't able to commit to stopping trains here yet for two reasons. The first being Brexit. It's not clear how the new entry and exit systems will work and Eurostar effectively want to wait until they know a little bit more about how they have to adapt their processes. The second is COVID. Mr Williams said the company's income dropped by about 97% during the lockdowns, so they just don't have the money to keep services running. While he did say the company is keeping Kent on the radar, he certainly didn't give any promises as to when the passenger services might return, as Kent passengers only account for about 3% of their overall customers. And he revealed a bit more about how the pandemic had affected the business, didn't he? Mr Williams revealed the company had to borrow hundreds of millions just to survive through the pandemic. That's because they weren't able to apply for the same government grants that were available to airlines. And obviously they lost all of the money they usually generated through ticket sales because 
because everybody was staying at home. Instead, they had to rely on loans from private companies, which came with hefty interest. Now they're getting back to pre-pandemic levels. The focus for Eurostar is paying back those loans instead of stopping at more stations. Now, members of the Bring Back Eurotrain's residence group were also at the meeting. What did they think of what they heard? Members of the group presented their petition to Mr Williams during the meeting, which has a staggering 30,000 signatures. While they understand there are lots of complications and reasons behind why the services are being suspended, they still feel more needs to be done to get them back, as they really are essential for jobs, families and businesses throughout Kent. If Eurostar can't put the trains back on, one of the things they do want to see is perhaps another company taking over operations. It's another way of getting cross-channel trains back as soon as possible. And finally, Leanne, the Olympics take place in Paris next year, not very far for a lot of us. Any chance of services returning before then? So the simple answer to this question is no, it's not likely. Mr Williams was asked this in the meeting because Ashford and Ebbsfleet could have so much potential in helping huge passenger numbers reach Paris. They could really help ease queues and meet the demand. And the Olympics will take place before the new Brexit checks even come in. But when answering the question, he said the company won't be reviewing its decision until after the Olympics, when the new checks do come in. So until the time comes, Eurostar will keep focusing on services in London, as that's where their main money is. Leanne, thank you ever so much. Kent Online reports. A car dealership in Medway has been left frustrated after a car that was due to be sold was clamped by the DVLA. Staff at Shrewd Motor Centre on Gravesend Road found the vehicle, which was parked outside of their fenced forecourt with a clamp on its wheel last Thursday. The DVLA have said they need to provide proof the land it's parked on is privately owned before before they'll remove it. A drunk man who abused staff as he tried to force his way into a closed supermarket has avoided being sent to prison. Tamar McLean from Folkestone took off his shirt and cuddled a police officer during his arrest at an Aldi in July. A court heard the 28-year-old from Wood Avenue had suffered a family bereavement and was abusing alcohol at the time. The Arriva bus company has permanently scrapped one of its services after it was attacked. The 109 from Deering Way in Gravesend was temporarily stopped last month after a window was smashed en route. Well, bosses say it wasn't an isolated incident. They've tweeted that they've had to prioritise the safety of their passengers and staff. Now, it's Kent Test Day for thousands of pupils across the county. The results will determine which children can apply for a place at a grammar school for next September. Many parents would have paid for private tuition ahead of the exam, which happens just days after the summer break. Well, Joanne Bartley is from Comprehensive Future, a group that campaigns against it, she's been speaking to Dan. Most of the country got rid of this test many decades ago, but Kent has, has hung on to this system of testing primary school pupils and, and deciding that the, the smartest kind of 25 to 30 percent will attend grammar schools and the rest will attend schools that kind of slightly less academic, or well, that was the old fashioned view nowadays. Every school does the same GCSEs. The whole system, to my mind, is no longer needed. So then could you talk to us about the test this week, um, why you feel like this test is is, is unfair on, on young children? The Kent test is kind of no longer necessary. Nowadays, children all um, study for GCSEs. There's no differentiation in the schools. And it puts a whole lot of stress on, on 10-year-old children. I mean, it's so young. And to feel like they're being judged and labelled as academic or less academic, separated from their friends to different schools. And, and then when you actually look at the results, they're no better in, in areas that still have this system. In fact, there was a major study just last week that got featured in all the national press 
that actually said that the bright pupils uh, do better in comprehensive areas. So areas that like Kent are putting children through this, this, this very pressured test. Parents are forced to pay for tutors because that's the kind of system it is. And yet our results are no better. And in fact, they're slightly worse for the brightest pupils in areas like this. This study was, was based on 500,000 pupils. It was a very large scale study that looked at the results of pupils in grammar school areas like Kent and Medway. And it looked at pupils in areas that don't have grammar schools. And it actually found that the brightest pupils based on SATS results uh, were 10% less uh, more 10% less likely to get A's and A stars in areas that still have grammar schools, which is sort of counterintuitive. But I think grammar schools a little bit rest on their laurels. I mean, do, we all assume they're getting great results, but actually they're just selecting the kind of pupils who get great results in comprehensive schools. So it's the, it's kind of a little bit of smoke and mirrors there. We look at grammar schools and say, look how many pupils get A's and B's or grade nines and eights, which is now the, the new measure. And, and actually when we analyze it, they're no better um, for most pupils and actually very slightly worse. It's only a moderate difference, but it's still a significant, you know, a statistical um, thing that they, that pu the brightest pupils are actually doing worse in areas like Kent. And what would your, what would your message be to, to parents who are thinking of, of putting their children through this, through this system and this test? I, I think parents feel that in Kent they have to do it. It doesn't mean they like the system. We're just stuck with this old fashioned system that was invented in the 1940s and this test which no one really believes is a very good judge of pupils anymore. In fact, 22% of pupils who take uh, an 11 plus at GCSE level turn out to be in the wrong school based on their GCSE results. So if your child takes this test and doesn't do very well, there is so much potential for them to succeed. Um, just It's just such a terrible system and, and most areas of the country did the right thing getting rid of it. Kent Online News. There are concerns Kent could lose millions of pounds as a result of the writers and actors strike currently going on in Hollywood. In a good year, film and TV production in Kent can bring in as much as £8 million to the local economy. But this year, we'll see nowhere near that amount. Two major dramas, in fact, have already pulled out of filming here due to the ongoing industrial action. And it's particularly damaging to places like the historic in Chatham that rely on that sort of income. Well, Gabrielle Lindemann is from the Kent Film Office and she's been speaking to Kate. The strikes really strongly affected Kent in terms of filming activity as we're projected to only see about um, a third to half of the activity we would see in another year. And why is it the that projects are pulling out? It's essentially because Britain has managed to attract a lot of uh, US productions. So many, many of our television and films have got um, American writers, American actors, etc. in it. And because uh, these people are in it, and a lot of money from Netflix and Warner Brothers, etc., um, they're on strike. So they are not uh, filming, and they're not producing anything. And therefore, all activity has come to a halt. And what about things such as uh, popular filming locations in Kent, such as Dover or, or at Chatham Docks? I'm guessing that they're not being used either as all the productions come to a stop? Um, I don't think it's all productions, but um, we've just had a... Um, a survey in through from back to that's been reported in the trade press and they're saying that over half potentially two-thirds of the workforce in Britain is currently out of work so that gives you a rough idea of the impact that's having 
on the industry within Britain. With the money that is brought in through an overseas production, say, for example, um, Empire of Light, um, I, it was somewhere around £4 million, I think, for, for Margate. How, how does that money then infiltrate into the community? How is it used within the community? Uh, a lot of the money is um, spent here because we don't have studios on things like accommodation and um, construction work, on transport, on using local um, facilities and actors and um, construction companies, taxis, all those kind of um, things, in addition, obviously, to location fees to uh, certain location owners, um, and that includes um, council properties like beaches, etc., etc. And then how, so once the production company, so once they come in and the money is uh, sort of raised within within an area, is it then used by council or does it go back into the film industry? How, how are those funds used within Kent? The money goes directly to the businesses and the residents of Kent, the council. We don't take any fees. Anybody who owns certain locations or the hotels or whatever, they are paid directly by the production company and uh, the council is this here to facilitate getting it in to help the economy in Kent grow. So obviously if there's nothing being made here, it's the sort of local businesses and as you say, hotels, restaurants, the things like that, they'll be feeling the hit as well. Absolutely. And actually some of our attractions, for example, Chatham Dockyard is going to feel the pinch because they attract usually a lot of the bigger American productions or the streamers, you know, from Netflix. And um, some of these heritage locations absolutely rely on some income from filming to keep the properties up to you know repair them and everything and if they don't get that money they're going to be struggling a former tattoo parlor in canterbury which was the scene of a shocking murder suicide is set to reopen as a flower shop ramona stoyer was killed by her partner at the former gothing studios last year now hetty's florist will take on the site and are keen to make it a positive addition to the city the chatter mum of a toddler with an incredibly rare condition is due to meet prince harry at the world child awards later two-year-old leo was born with a gene disorder and is only the 16th person in the world to be diagnosed with it in the past seven years. His mum, Lucinda Andrews, has set up a charity to help other children and campaigns for research and treatments. And it's been confirmed the Whitstable Rocks Oyster Festival will return for a second year later this month. It'll run from the 15th to the 17th and is designed to celebrate the town's historic and cultural connection with the shellfish. The traditional landing of the oysters will take place on the beach. Kent Online Sport. Cricket and Kent Zach Crawley is going to captain England in a one-day series against Ireland. The 25-year-old impressed during the summer's ashes and will lead the side in three games starting later this month. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. And to sign up to that, you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.